Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. My name is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here today with Chris Schobloom, who is our research director and senior economist. And today, Chris, we're going to talk about an article uh, and actually an academic paper that you had found that talks about a very interesting question. Uh, Do voters hold incumbents to account for the country's happiness? Or another way of saying it may be... uh, does a politician have to worry about more than putting money in your pocket? Do they have to make you happy as well? Yes, yes. And it's actually um, a real interesting paper. Um, mm-hmm. It's one I found um, on a website um, I check uh, regularly. It's in my, on my blog roll from the uh, European website called Vox EU. Provides a, 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 the website. Um, uh, publishes a number of short uh, opinion pieces uh, that actually summarize um, uh, research that, are, that is going on. I came across this one, um, and, and a little bit of background. Um, economists have started studying happiness. Um, and it's part of an effort to, to, to figure out if there are, are things that you can measure beyond just standard economic variables that, uh, that have economic importance. Um, so right. I'm just you know, wondering, what, can you go beyond measuring um, uh, some sort of more comprehensive measure of uh, human well-being than simply gross domestic product? Well, you know, th- this applies to more than just the academy, but it's interesting to me that over the last couple of centuries, uh, the liberal arts and, and sciences have gotten more and more specialized. We have more and more disciplines. But then that's not satisfactory to explain a lot of things, including possibly people's voting patterns. So now there's an effort to kind of bring in more than just economic information. I mean, this is really kind of a merger of a type between economics, uh, political science, and psychology. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the, the, uh, those of you who've sat through economics classes um, know that we spend a lot, economists spend a lot of time uh, doing models about utility, which is a sort of, you know, you can think of as a, uh, as a, as a measure of, of happiness and, and, <clears throat> and and uh, have been have been you know like to use this as a as a theoretical construct, but are tend to be a bit shy about actually going out and measuring it directly. They'll take a look at individuals' uh, behavior choices they make and infer things about about happiness, but but have always been kind of suspect about just going out and asking people how happy they are. Uh-huh. But it, but in the last in the last decade or so, I think there's there's been some feeling that you should try and go beyond and and measure happiness, uh, uh, at least try to measure it uh, directly because uh, uh, you're redu- if without doing that, you're reduced to just measuring uh, national well-being in terms of of uh, gross domestic product or just kind of these simple economic measures. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm going to step back a bit. There, there's a, a literature. Um, in economics that attempts to explain um, election results in terms of, uh, of uh, uh, economic variables. Uh, and that uh, um, winning parties uh, 
um, uh, politicians get rewarded with re-election if the economy does well uh, on their watch and get punished uh, with, uh, with failure at re-election, failure to be re-elected uh, when the economy does poorly on their watch. Uh, a, f- a fellow who was one of my teachers in graduate school, Ray Fair, is one of the, the leaders in this, did an influential paper in uh, 1978, uh, the, looking at presidential re-elections. Now, it turns out that I, you know, as I was telling you earlier, that uh, um, at, in the, during the 80s and then into the 90s, um, I had just uh, put together a little model that I used uh, to predict, predict elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, as, as I told you, it's sort of cocktail party economics. You know, It you, made the papers. Yes, it eventually made the papers. But I, I was doing this more or less to just have something to talk to people about. <laughs> uh, and I had I'd presented a version of it at the, uh, to the Council of Economic Advisors uh, during, uh, when Lowry was governor. And and subsequently, I was on um, the Economic Development Council's uh, forca- uh, program for the forecast breakfast they do every year. This was in, uh, I think, in January of 1976. And one of the uh, – colleague, a friend of mine, Paul Summers, was also on the program. And, and uh, Steve Dunphy, a reporter at the time from the Seattle Times, was in the audience and said, said something on the order of, well, you know, uh, this is just the economy. Does anybody want here have any, any, uh, any idea what's going to happen in the presidential election this coming fall? And, and, and uh, Paul pipes up, well, that's not my field, but I know Shoblum's got a model of this. <laughs> so I said a few things, uh-huh. and, then, and then Steve Dunphy came up and talked to me um, after the after the meeting after the the, the program, and, and I got the nicest coverage uh, that I've ever received in all my time at the research council in the in the Sunday Seattle Times uh, lead above the fold article in the business section with a big box quote for my name. So I have a have a hey. a, a great deal of affection for the, these models of uh, economic models trying to predict elections. Anyway, I, I can see why, but I, I uh, so I, I mentioned at the beginning that it's obvious that there's kind of a convergence here between uh, academic yeah. disciplines, but there's also a convergence between, I mean, uh, for no other way to say it, a, a line of work. In other words, uh, Karl Rove is pretty interested as to why people will yes. keep an incumbent in office or not. Uh, David Axelrod, this is part of his line of work, and so... Uh, when Mr. Ward steps into this, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at these things, and there's a lot of people paid a whole lot of money to to look at them very seriously. Yes. So, so I should probably summarize what's in this paper for the the people who are listening to us. Um, um, uh, the the author George George Ward. Uh, as an aside, that's a very familiar name to me because my uh, mother's second husband uh, was named George Ward, my stepfather. Anyway, this is not the same George Ward, uh, but he is at the London School of Economics and has uh, done a, um, a, a statistical analysis looking at parliamentary election results uh, in the European Union uh, over the period from, uh, I guess it was starting in um, uh, 1973 was the earliest year, and it went through uh, 2000 and 
12, I believe. So he went through a few economic yeah, cycles. Yeah, so about 134 elections, uh, and was looking at the, um, um, the votes received by the parties who had been in the ruling co- coalition. Um, and then he, he gets from uh, a, um, uh, a survey that's been done uh, by the European Commission uh, over this period uh, in a, a survey uh, called the Eurobarometer. Uh, and, and they've been asking since 73 this question. Um, on the whole, are you, one, fairly satisfied? Uh, oh, excuse me. One, very satisfied. Two, fairly satisfied. Three, not very satisfied. Or four, not at all satisfied with the life you lead. <laughs> Okay, so they take that variable, sort of kind of uh, coded up one, two, three, four, uh, approximately a thousand um, uh, uh, people surveyed in each country. Um, so it's calculate that variable, and then run a statistical analysis of the the results for the incumbent party in the parliamentary election, uh, and and. They get, for those of you who knew the statistics, they, in this model, they get an R squared of 0.62. You know, it, it's explaining a large, num- a large share of the, um, of, the, of the vote. Now, it's actually that variable together with a number of other variables that are usually used, a mm-hmm. year effect dummy, a country effect dummy, and, and, and the vote of that coalition in the, pre- in the uh, preceding um, election. But you know, this is they're getting um, uh, statistical tests that show the the coefficient is uh, um, uh, is is significantly significant at the one percent level. Very good. So, so I've got a question for you, Chris, right there. So um, I'm not. I didn't look in depth at this study, and I'm not all that conversant with European politics. But I don't think it's too much different than ours. I know there's more than two parties in some of these countries that, that, that are players and, and would be in some of the uh, districts or writings or whatever they would call these, the, these uh, voting units of the, uh, these parliamentary members. But in the United States, everything's played at the margins. I mean, if you're in a swing district, and uh, let's use an example. Uh, we'll use a district, uh, we'll use the first congressional district in Washington state. Uh, Cook uh, rated that after it was reapportioned, just barely a Democratic district. And uh, it varies in election years, but I'm going to say that in the fairly, at least the mid-40s, if not toward the high-40s, people are going to vote Republican or Democrat, and then there's only a few other folks that are going to determine that election. So... um, uh, that's a that's a reality, and of course, some districts have more Democrats or more Republicans or whatever, and they're not a swing district. But but how d- does that kind of just uh, right off the back of the envelope analysis uh, stack up against this uh, this fairly simple analysis, but taking things from a completely different standpoint? I mean, in other words, I'm happy. Politically, uh, or uh, using an example, I'm happy if my party is in power. I'm unhappy if they're not in power. That doesn't really explain if they're self-actualizing yeah. or not. Yes, uh, I, I, but in this, there, there was in the um, um, 
the paper, they, he reports uh, kind of back in the, the bowels of the paper some, some, some attempts to look, get at that issue, how much of it is, um, uh, is of this happiness itself uh, is, um, is driven by, by the, uh, whether or not the party that you favor is in, is in, um, is in power. Okay. Um, um, and it, you know, the, what gets me, what I find about, interesting about this, or having a little bit of a hard time getting hold of, is the, is the, is the parliamentary system as mm-hmm. opposed to the, the um, uh, system that we have here in the U.S., sure. where we have simply two stable power parties. Some of these countries, there are a number of our different parties. They come and go, yes, and um, and somebody may. I suspect that you'll you'll see in some of these countries, there's a lot more switching of parties between elections than there would be here in the U.S. because there are different shadings of of ideology between them, and and you know it's it's a big movement to. Uh, to um, uh, move between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party with your own Id- um, identification here in the U.S., but but in some of these other countries with multiple center-right, multiple center-left parties, moving between a party may not be such a big deal. Okay. Um, so, but and to, to say that that this if this um, the um, uh, the happiness variable has more explanatory power than a simple economic variable, such as the rate of economic growth. Um, than GDP, which is the first measure that he, uh, yes, that he uses. Yes, yes, and, and it, it's, it's um, you know, it, it, uh, when you include, uh, well, the uh, happiness variable, you get a higher R squared, a bit higher R squared than if you um, uh, include, uh, don't include it, but include economic growth instead, mm-hmm. and also, but the magnitude of the coefficient on uh, on uh, the uh, happiness variable is about twice as big as the uh, as the variable on economic growth. And uh, after you've adjusted so that the the that the the, uh, the movements in those two variables are comparable, so you can actually compare. So, mm-hmm. uh, but what's interesting is that it, and then uh, is that this actually does have explanatory power. Um, yeah, it is interesting. So, um, but, but you would have said in the U.S. that if you you take a look at uh-huh. at at, um, at elections, there's some elections where economics is really important, and there are other elections where there are other things that are going on. And it may be that the happiness variable is, picks up those other things that you would. Well, uh, in, in in politics today, when we're in a in an era of what they call channel diffusion, where people are watching every different type of uh, program, and they're in every different kind of medium, and they're not, not all locked into the three networks in the evening, uh, glued to the television, so to speak. You know, uh, folks in politics have struggled to get their increasingly to get their message effectively out to the voters they want to reach. And uh, with the extremely high amount of data uh, that uh, that computers and, and uh, have been able to give us, and and, uh, and and the fact that every every retail outlet now wants to make sure they capture as much data from us as possible, we're kind of in an era now where economics is still affecting uh, politics and political messaging, but now it's the, the economics of looking at the people who have large cars, who have sedans, who have four-wheel drives, who subscribe to Field & Stream magazine, who buy more than 15 cans of beer a week. These are all now 
put on voter files, and uh, increasingly folks believe that there is a predictive power to those things. So, uh, and, and as you get into hundreds and hundreds of data points, to link those data points on a voter file, they're using industrial psychologists. So again, I'm seeing psychology move into this, but it's interesting that, uh, that uh, an economist took a very simple Actually, uh, just one survey, wasn't it? And, yes. and then bounced it against these electoral results. Yep, it's um, it's a lot of fun. I, you know, I'm thinking, wondering whether we should get one of our local pollsters to start uh, asking this question and see how see happy how we, we are, and see if we can track it. Yeah. Yeah, of course, some of us are kind of obsessed, and, and we're a lot happier when uh, there's not rent control or there's no capital gains tax or things like that, and, and we're, we're, we're not as happy when we start hearing about those things, yeah. or vice versa, or we're happier when we hear the converse. I, uh, I know Chairman Carlisle's happy when he hears about a capital gains tax <laughs> down the legislature. So, anyhow, this is a, is a very interesting topic. So... Where do you think, or, or from what you know of, uh, of uh, George Ward, where is this uh, investigation going? Are, are people going to build on this? Is there, is there other well, research? There's, um, um, as I say, in economics, a, a burgeoning um, literature on, on happiness. Uh, um, this one is one that has actually lifted that over into the, into the political realm, and I, I would imagine we'll see... Uh, a lot more work going forward. Uh, you know, one of the difficulties is getting you know survey information, uh, kind of longitudinal that allows you to do the kind of historical analysis that he's done here. Uh, I don't know that we have a, any um, similar um, uh, survey on happiness that's uh, gone over a long period of time here in the U.S. Well, I mentioned industrial psychologists. I wonder, uh, and I'm sure there are surrogates out there in people's buying patterns yeah. for happiness or unhappiness. I yeah. wonder if those could be taken yeah. and then uh, worked no. against their uh, their no. desires uh, to, uh, for the status of the incumbent. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there are, um, that if you had, um, could, could tease out information uh, by, by individual voters on their level of, un, of happiness or unhappiness, that it would be quite useful and get out the vote operations on uh, one side or another of a particular election. So, so instead of focus groups, I'll just bring in a team of uh, psychologists, and they'll, they'll yeah. have everybody uh, in different rooms on couches well, or something, be robo Freudian style. Robo-calling people, yeah. just asking you, are you happy? Yeah. <laughs> if, Probably if not yes, as happy as they were before the phone rang. But the <laughs> if, press, if, if yes, press one. If no, press two. And, uh -huh. and that'll be keyed into subsequent phones, uh, phone calls that are reminding you to get out the vote. So, Chris, go ahead and repeat uh, the information about this study and the column uh, that, that went with it so folks uh, have a yeah. good reference point here. So, so if you come to our, um, uh, our, our website, I did a blog post on this, and that'll, that'll give you two. The, uh, the paper itself was titled, Is Happiness a Predictor of Election Results? It's done uh, out of the Center for Economic uh, Performance at the London School of Economics. Uh, the author is George Ward. It came out last month in April. Uh, and then there's a, a column on the, the uh, uh, website voxeu, uh, V-O-X-E-U dot O-R-G, um, and, and, you'll, and uh, if you just uh, search George Ward's name, you'll find it there. 
but I say you go to our go to our website, and I think I will be putting up uh, on our blog uh, a couple of uh, uh, links to a couple of other uh, economics articles dealing with happiness. Just so if folks are interested in how economists are starting to struggle with this idea, there will be some. Uh, something to read. Very well. Well, uh, Chris, this is very interesting. It will be uh, even more interesting to see uh, what happens next in this new field of investigation. Yes. Very well. Uh, Dr. Chris Showbloom, with me today, my name is Lou Moore. We're both with the Washington Research Council, and we're very glad that you joined us. Thank you. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.